Welcome to the Reunion Church Podcast. We're a community following Jesus, seeking the good of our city. We hope today's teaching is both challenging and encouraging. If we could be a resource to you on your spiritual journey, don't hesitate to reach out via our website at reunionnyc.com. I'm going to read today's uh, teaching text, which is Mark 6, 14 through 29. And if you have yeah, an app on your phone or a Bible, you can pull that up or you can read it with me, read, just read along with me as I read it on the screen. Um, so King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that's why, that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said, this is, he is Elijah. And still others claimed he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had, been, he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to, because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give to you, up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried to the king, into the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. This is the word of the Lord. Praise God. All right. What's up, Reunion? How y'all doing? A little bit of light reading for our Sunday morning. <laughs> All right. This is going to be a really, really, really fun one. Um, but before we jump into the fun of today's sermon, um, let's, let's start with uh, acknowledging the reality of our world that is actually not so fun. Um, if you've been paying attention to the news as of late over the last 24 hours, um, you know, you might have heard about the, the shooting that took place in Buffalo. Um, and this one hit kind of close to home, uh, not kind of, it hit really close to home for me, having spent about a third of my life in Buffalo. Um, and just recently moving from Buffalo back to New York City. So I was like, wow, um, you know, it, it's really, really close. But thankfully, my friends and family are safe um, and, and all that good stuff. But we'd be remiss to not at least take a moment to pause and pray um, for our world and pray for Buffalo and for all those that are affected. So let's, let's start there, and then we'll jump into our sermon for the day. Father, we, we thank you. You are good, 
and your mercy endures forever. Um, even on the difficult days, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of rain, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of uh, calamity, um, you are still sovereign, you are still good, you are still God. So Lord, I pray that you help us to see your goodness through it all. Um, I pray that you shine abundantly brighter in the midst of despair and in the midst of darkness. Shine especially on Buffalo, dear God, and all the people that were affected by this horrific tragedy. And for all of us that may be far in distance, but it, it seems really close in our heart and our minds as folks that uh, travel to communal spaces regularly, I pray that you allow us to see that you are with us. Allow us to see your protection. Allow us to feel and experience your peace through it all as we process and navigate the, the, the uh, injustices in the world, Lord. Lord, we pray that you bring reconciliation within ourselves individually, bring reconciliation within our world, Lord, bring reconciliation between differences and races and dividing lines. And Lord, we, we have a lot of work to do, but one thing that we know is that we cannot do it without you. So Lord, take your place on the throne of our hearts and our minds. And Father, I pray that you allow our attention to uh, be fully on you, Lord. Even in this moment, in this preaching moment, I pray that you, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And Father, I pray that we be all ready to receive um, what it is that you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us in that, joining me in that moment of prayer, because we're going to be talking a little bit about prayer today. Um, but before we get there, let's talk a little bit about this, this thing we just read, this scripture, okay? I have a problem because it's real nice. We got this whole Mark series going, real, real cute or whatever, cool, wonderful, right? Last week, we're talking about like the prophet that's not welcome in his home and all of these miracles and, you know, the woman with the issue of blood and all this deep, rich stuff. And I'm like, mm, this is good. Like this mark, like, mm, I can't wait. What's my text for the week? And then I pull it up and I read the heading and it's like, John beheaded. And I'm like, how I get the beheading text and we bypass all the miracles and stuff. I think we pick up with more miracles next week. So I'm like, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? Uh, I was perplexed for a minute. I, I got to admit, I'll be real. I was perplexed. I was like, oh, goodness. But the beauty of it all is that even in such a uh, spicy text, I was able to really see Jesus highlighted in a really interesting, unique, and profound way. And my prayer is that you'll be able to journey with me there today. This text teaches us a thing or two about our relationship with Jesus. And it was good for me personally because I'm in this season, as they call deconstruction, right? Where it's this like buzzword that everyone's talking about lately, where you reconsider and you're questioning a lot of the uh, foundational truths that you've always held, right? I grew up Christian and grew up in a Christian home, but now I'm in a place where I'm able to really sift through some of the difficult stuff, right? And ask critical questions and um, leave some things behind that I realized maybe weren't the most healthiest, uh, weren't the most healthy applications of the gospel and really learn the truth of who Jesus is in a rich and profound and applicable way. Um, but it has me asking the questions that are back at the basics. I'm like, God, I want to start from the foundation and build my way up. And one of the key foundational questions that we can ask ourselves as believers is who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? 
If I were to throw that question out there right now, we might get all different types of responses. Jesus is peace, the Prince of Peace. He's my peace. Jesus is love. Jesus is my liberator. Jesus is my savior. Um, or if you are on this journey, maybe just starting it out, or perhaps you may be in a place where you haven't started the Jesus journey uh, in terms of faithful relationship, you might be saying, I don't really know about this Jesus guy. I, I don't really know if I believe that he is who everybody else says that he is. Wherever you are and whatever your answer to that question is, I want to encourage you, if we don't talk about anything else for, that, for the rest of the day, I want to share one response to that question with you, and it's this. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God that has come to be the sacrifice for our sin. We deserved, right, a penalty for our sin. We are created as these beautiful creations to be in harmony with Jesus, but our, in harmony with God, but our sin separated and disrupted that harmony. And God, in his loving nature, sent his son to die for us so that that harmony can be re reconciled through the death of Jesus Christ, because Jesus died the death that we deserved. So who is Jesus? He's the one that died for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, and even now he's seated with God, and he's praying on our behalf. If you know nothing else, I encourage you to investigate and receive that. But one of the things that we're going to be looking at today is an answer to that question of who is Jesus? Jesus is our intermediary. Our intermediary. That's one of the many aspects of Jesus. And what is an intermediary? An intermediary is a person who acts as the link between people in order to try to bring about an agreement or reconciliation. A mediator a middle person of sorts. So we are beautifully created and loved by God, and Jesus stands in the middle to reconnect what sin did in separating the two. When we pray to God, Jesus goes on our behalf and communes with the Father and stands as our advocate, right? We're not just praying to an empty God who we have to guess whether or not he hears us. As believers in Jesus Christ, Jesus is the intermediary that is bridging the gap that sin has created. And we know that our Father in heaven hears us because Jesus is connecting us to him. So what does that have to do with anything that we just read earlier? So today's scripture gives us two stories in one. First, you have Herod and the townspeople. And then you have a flashback to Herod having John the Baptist beheaded. And in the center of the latter story of the beheading, we have and we see an intermediary. We see a middle person. Unfortunately, this middle person is not our loving savior who is advocating for us, but rather we see a young daughter of a poorly intentioned mother and a rather irresponsible stepfather, and she really needed an advocate in that moment. We can learn a lot about being an intermediary going wrong and about the joy that we have in our intermediary gone right. So again, talking about last week, we got done talking about Jesus in the synagogue performing a few miracles, and he sent his disciples out two by two to continue to do the work that Jesus sent them out to do. And word got around to Herod uh, that the townspeople uh, were out here and performing these miracles and doing this good work and all the work that Jesus was doing. And word got back to him, and Herod asked some questions. The townspeople also asked some questions. Then they asked the same question we just spoke about a while ago, who is Jesus? 
Who is this Jesus? Who is this person that is going around doing all of these tremendous works? Some people said, oh, it must be Elijah. And they thought that because it was prophesied in the Hebrew Bible in Malachi that God will send the prophet Elijah before the coming of the Lord. So some people thought that that was Elijah. Some people said, oh, it's the prophet that Moses had promised us in Deuteronomy, right? Because in that chapter, it speaks of a prophet who will come after Moses to continue the work. And actually, they were onto something. They were not incorrect in that. But Herod, Herod thought that the person was John the Baptist, that Jesus was John the Baptist, who he beheaded. And you would think, well, why would he think that of all the people like that, this is John the Baptist? It could be that he was excited, like, "Woo, I killed this man and he's back from the dead. Or it could be like, oh, I killed this man and he's back from the dead. <laughs> all right, either I'm off the hook or I got a real problem on my hands here. Uh, but nevertheless, everybody had the similar question that we often have and have at one point asked ourselves, who is Jesus? And this is where we see a flashback to the spicy story. So just to do a recap, Herod had a brother, and when I tell y'all this is drama to the max, you can't, this is like primetime television, run it on your DVR, make sure you follow up on Hulu, wait till it comes out on Netflix, and you might want to get it on Blu-ray so you have it permanently. That's how dramatic this thing is. The Bible is spicy, y'all. So Herod had this brother named Philip, right? And Philip was married to Herodias, and then they divorced. Now, Herod went and married his brother Philip's wife after they had divorced, and according to the Mosaic law, that was highly illegal. Huge problem, huge foul, can't do it, does not recommend, zero stars, right? So John goes to Herod and is like, hey, dude, what are you doing? You cannot do this. This is clearly against Mosaic law, and Herodias felt some type of way because she was like, I actually want to be married to this Herod dude, and you're over here trying to shine a light on the negativity and the law that we just broke. Who do you think you are? And John was like, "Uh, I'm John. I'm supposed to be like talking about this stuff, and I'm calling you out on your sin. So that caused some sort of friction, and Herodias wanted John to be killed. Now, Herod actually respected John. He was a well-respected man. He was righteous. He was somebody who he enjoyed listening to. So rather than having Herod killed, he had Herod put in jail didn't quite sit all the way well with Herodias, but she was like, whatever, he's out, of the, he's out of our hair. But even while Herod was in, even while John the Baptist was in jail, Herod still loved to go and hear his teaching, hear his speaking, because that's how much respect he had for this man. And he even feared him because John was well-respected among the community. So fast forward now, John is in jail. It's Herod's birthday now. And Herod throws this huge birthday bash, and he asks for his daughter, Herodias, to, uh, or Herodias' daughter, Salome, to perform this probably erotic dance, um, which is a very twisted expression of the culture at that time of the value of women, which is a huge, huge issue uh, where we see women less respected in a significantly less manner than we see them respected now and viewed as property, viewed as someone that is subject to whatever the will or the command of the male in power is. So we see somebody that's here that really could have used an advocate at that time, 
really could have used a voice at that time, really could have used an intermediary at that time. But instead, what we get is uh, Salome performing this dance. And we pick up here in Mark chapter 6, verse 22, and it reads, When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner, and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I'll give it to you up to half my kingdom. This dance ignited his flesh, not to mention he might have been a bit drunk because of the wine and stuff in the context of the celebration that they were at. And he goes and he makes this oath and says, whatever you want, ask and it's yours. So it's an aspect of favor extended towards this individual, this young girl, an aspect of favor, but it's steeped in, shrouded in lust and drunkenness and emotionalism and irresponsibility. So we see this type of context in all over our world. And one of the key areas that we see um, this type of manipulation and uh, advantage taking is also in the music industry. So um, fun fact. Side note, I um, always had the dream and aspiration of becoming a recording artist, right? Um, since I was, <laughs> woo, um, I've always wanted to be a recording artist, uh, did a little stuff here and there, but um, still want to, maybe one day, who knows? But always growing up, one thing that was always brought to our attention is the uh, manipulation and the manipulative aspects of the recording industry, where you see an individual with a great uh, talent, great um, expertise, and they are young, they have you know, the stars in their eyes, and they're really desiring to pursue their dreams and pursue their path. And sometimes they intersect with industry uh, executives and labels that don't have their best interest in heart. Um, and they make all these promises, and they make all of the, they show them the world, and they show them everything that could potentially be at their fingertips, and they're like, anything you want, you got it. And then what ends up happening is, unknowingly, they'll sign a contract or something of the sort, and little do they know that they have very little artistic freedom, or very, uh, they, they are signing into contracts that it's incredibly difficult to get out of and things of that nature. So you have this promise of, right, anything you want, you got it. Don't think anything of it. But then contractually, you're entering into a really bad deal. Um, so that's a favor that they gain from the fleshly desires of another person that's not really seeing their entire personhood. They're seeing their voice. They're seeing their talent. They come up with, oh, now you have a look. Oh, you're going to be marketable. Your personhood becomes a product. And it's now, now your life is being seen as a method of gaining wealth, of gaining uh, notoriety, of seeing how you can add to that label's credibility. And then once you're no longer able to produce that anymore, you're cast by the wayside, your value is diminished and decreased. So we see that played out in society all along, but in our Savior, Jesus Christ, our intermediary, we see a staunch difference. We see a different type of favor that's extended toward us as believers that is shrouded in love, is shrouded in care, it's steeped in compassion for us. Uh, if we look, Scripture tells us that we have a Savior, we have Christ, that we can go to Him for whatever we need, and He will hear us. Let's look at a Scripture in uh, 1 John chapter 5. This is John writing to the body of believers, and he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. 
This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. This is a certainty, a guarantee, a confidence that we can walk in as believers in Christ. There are no guesses. God hears us when we pray. Through Jesus Christ, our middle person, when we pray, he's going on our behalf and our Father hears us. But we ask. And we may not have because we're afraid to ask. The first step in asking is to open up your mouth and open up your heart and say, Lord, this is a longing that I have. This is a need that I'm bringing to you in faith that you can respond and that you will hear me. Uh, you might think it's too big or too small or this is something that can't go to God. Like, oh, no, this is just a little frivolous thing. It's, it's too small to pray. Or, God, this is huge. This is major. Like, I don't know how I'm going to navigate this circumstance. You, I can't think of anyone that can handle this. The truth of the matter is, whatever it is that lies on your heart, you can go to the Father, and he will hear you. And we can trust his motives. We can trust his motives because he's telling us to pray this thing in faith. And Jesus is standing there as the intermediary to connect us with our best, with his best intentions and our best interests at heart. Now, going back to uh, our story with Herod and his drama, Herodias' daughter had the favor of door, the door of favor wide open with the ability to ask for anything. And let's see how that's leveraged. Over here in Mark 6, 24, it reads, She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with a request, I want to give... I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The daughter runs to the mother for counsel, and rather than making the request, sorry, the daughter runs to the mother for counsel. Mom, I get to ask for anything I want, anything in the world, anything under the sun. What should I ask for? What should I request? And Herodias, the mother, rather than taking the daughter's best interest in heart, considering what would really be useful and helpful for uh, Salome in that moment, she instead uses that opportunity to leverage it for her own advantage and request that she get her revenge on John the Baptist and have him beheaded. So this was a request fueled by hatred, evil, something that was lingering in Herodias' heart. And the evil desires of our heart, if left unchecked, will lead us to evil requests and desires. The scripture says that our heart is deceitful and desperate, deceitfully, it's deceitful and desperately wicked. Um, we can't always trust our heart to tell us and lead us in the right direction. So we see this also when Herodias is telling her daughter to go and request the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And here we have Salome, the daughter, this intermediary between these two people stuck in the middle of a complex situation. But yet again, faithfully, Jesus shows us another way. When Jesus is our intermediary, we can pray and know that Jesus uh, is going to hear us, and we do so in coming to him with the purest intention. And when we come to him with purest intentions, praying according to his will, 
we see his faithful response to our answers, to our, our prayers. And John 4 says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you want on your pleasures. Again, we see the idea that we do not have simply why? Because we do not ask. But then it takes it a step further. Well, what about us that are asking of God? What about us that are praying and, and we are going to God and we're like, God, this is what I want. God, get me a car. Get me a pony. Anybody pay the pony prayer? <laughs> I knew y'all did. I was like, right? God, like, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I want this. I want that, right? And yes, we just said, but, but didn't you just say that no prayer is too small or too large for God? Absolutely. You can pray to God. However, it, in, this scripture encourages us to examine our motives and in, examine what it is that we are requesting of God and why. So in this case, uh, James is talking to um, the believers, and they're praying and they're asking for things of God with selfish gain, covetousness, and maybe even greed. They're quarreling, they're fighting because they want what the other has. And John, James is saying, you're praying, and you, you, could, you could have what you want if you would just ask. And when you do ask, you don't get what it is that you're asking for because you're not praying with the proper motives. So when we pray, we ought to examine our hearts and pray that the will of the Lord will be done. Not our will, not what we want just because we want it. Lord, what is it that you want out of my life? What is it that you want out of this situation? Here are the requests that I'm laying out before you. But what is it that you ultimately desire? Because I might not be able to see what you see. Well, I know. Well, not maybe. I don't see what you see, right? I don't have your vantage point. And your ways are not my ways. So your will be done, but here is my heart. And he hears that prayer, and he will answer according to his will. So who is Jesus? Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. He's our liberator. He's our advocate. He is our intermediary. And he's standing as a bridge, connecting us to the Father, and reuniting us and reconnecting us and reconciling what sin tore apart. But we encourage you to connect with God as our intermediary, but make sure that the intentions and the, the intentions of your heart are pure and that you're praying in alignment with the will of God. Let us pray. Father, many are the thoughts, many are the wants, many are the desires, many are the cares, and many are the concerns. And we come to you, Lord, with them all, laying them down before you, knowing that you are God over it, you can handle it, and we trust you to respond. So, Father, I pray that you increase our faith in faith in you and knowing that your will is good, it's perfect, and it's acceptable, 
and we can put our trust in you. Always, without a shadow of a doubt, we go to you in confidence, in faith through Jesus Christ, that you hear us and that you are responding. Examine our heart, Father. Examine our motives, examine our will, examine our desires. And if there's anything, Lord God, that is unlike you, I pray that you allow us to see it and surrender it unto you. And by your Holy Spirit, sanctify us, purify us, restore us, and renew us. And Father, as we ask of you, Lord God, we ask that you allow us to keep your will at the forefront. Yes, we have our our needs, our wants, and our ideas of how things should be, but we acknowledge that your will is perfect. And what we want is your will for our lives, your will for every request that we bring before you. So, Father... We thank you. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and your presence. And we ask that you allow us to stay super cognizant of your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.